0: Hey everybody, and welcome back to the West Side at Home podcast. This is Dave Steimers with you for part two of what we're calling Jonah, Jesus, and the Resurrection. Did it really happen? And we're talking about some of the questions around the historical nature of different parts of the Bible, like Jonah and the Gospels. In our last episode, what I said was um, essentially that the evidence for taking the book of Jonah historically and taking, say, the Gospels and what they say about the resurrection of Jesus historically, the evidence for each of those is fairly different and that we should probably um, approach each of those on the basis of its evidence and of the literary style and the genre and the historical evidence that we have, but not necessarily to assume uh, that they're the same because they operate a little bit differently. So today I want to talk about the Gospels and I want to give you some reasons why I think the Gospels mean to tell us that the resurrection was a historical event, the bodily resurrection of Jesus, and uh, match that up with some historical reasons and theological reasons. And I'll tell you up front, I can't prove to certainty the resurrection. I don't think anybody can prove that, but I think we do have evidence that helps us move in that direction, evidence um, that suggests that it is uh, logical, that it is Uh, possible to believe this. And actually some really good historical reasons that we really, you know, have to think through um, on this issue and to maybe ask if Jesus wasn't resurrected, well, then how do you explain some of these things? Because it really seems um, that so much of Christianity arose and was built off of these people who believed, really believed that they saw the resurrected physical Jesus. So I'm a little bit hesitant because I'm going to try and do this in a very short podcast. You can read big, fat theological textbooks and apologetics and listen to people talk for hours and hours on these subjects. So just take this for what it is. This is just a quick little sketch of a few reasons that I think are convincing that the New Testament writers want us to believe that they believed that Jesus was historically, physically resurrected, and that that becomes a cornerstone to our faith. And why history um, suggests to us that that is uh, not an absolutely ridiculous thing to think. A couple of resources, if you're looking to go deeper on this, uh, I will suggest to you, uh, one is to look up N.T. Wright, number of his books, uh, or uh, you, can, you can Google specifically N.T. Wright on the Resurrection, and you can watch him on YouTube, for example, uh, talking at different conferences like Veritas Conference on the reliability of uh, the New Testament or the resurrection, so on. Um, another one is Richard Baucom, uh, who talks a lot about the eyewitnesses and the reliability of that. He's got a book called uh, Jesus and the Eyewitnesses, uh, which is not a super fast, easy read, but is pretty thorough on the subject. Okay. Here's just a few reasons why I think we are uh, directed, encouraged to believe in the physical, bodily, historical resurrection of Jesus from the New Testament and history. Number one, the eyewitnesses. So our gospels, in terms of genre... The closest thing we have to what a a gospel would be considered in in a genre is a Greco-Roman biography. Greco-Roman biographies, they're a little different than we would write biographies today, but they essentially are biographies about significant people, their goals, their achievements, their character, and whether or not they should be imitated, whether or not people should live like them. And they almost always have a big emphasis on how someone died. That rings true in the Gospels. We know that Jesus was a historical person. That is not up for debate. There are no credible scholars. I mean, you can find somebody that'll say anything, but there's no credible scholars who don't believe that there was literally historically Jesus of Nazareth, who was born 2000 years ago and all, you know, all the rest of it. Now people debate, did he say and do the things that we read in the gospels? Uh, you know, the claims that he made about himself, um, the claims other people made about him. Of course, people believe all different things about that, but nobody, re- nobody, re- really debates whether or not Jesus was a historical person. We have so much evidence from the ancient world, not just from um, the Bible, but from external sources and um, archeological evidence, and on and on. So that's not even really one of our questions. Jesus existed. We know that the gospels that we have are among the most reliable earliest documents from within a lifetime of Jesus, for the most part uh, that, you know, we can get. In those Gospels, we read about eyewitnesses to the resurrection of Jesus. In fact, Luke starts off his Gospel by telling us that he wrote for a guy named Theophilus. He's writing a letter, and Luke and Acts are two parts of the same work, So Luke starts, um, by saying, you know, I, I, we needed to write this stuff down, things that have happened amongst among us. And so, uh, basically he says, I went to eyewitnesses and people who have passed on these stories and I have collected them and written this. So this is within a short amount of time from when Jesus lived and died and people are still alive who had witnessed these things. And it sort of has the force of, I've gone and talked to these people and, and these stories are emerging and I'm writing them down so that we have um, an account of the life and death and resurrection of Jesus. And you can still go and talk to some of these people. And the Apostle Paul says something similarly, we'll come to this in a minute, in 1 Corinthians 15. So we have eyewitnesses and we have an author saying there are eyewitnesses i.e. you could go talk to these people. I'm not just making this up. Maybe you don't believe them, but this is something that happened that people will tell you. They've told me and they'll tell you. When it comes to the resurrection, interesting in the gospels, what we find about who were the first eyewitnesses to the empty tomb and to the resurrected Jesus. They're women. So the male disciples all run off because they're scared because they're part of this movement. Their leader gets crucified, which is part of how the government would say, hey, if you continue on in this movement, this is what we do to your leader. This is what we'll do to you. We're going to squash you. We're going to kill you. So they all get scared and run away. But it's women who go to the tomb and women who discover the empty tomb and first the resurrected Jesus, and then they run out and tell everybody else. Why is that significant? Because in the ancient world, women were not really thought of as credible sources. Like if you were in court or something, women didn't testify which seems really strange and terrible to us. But if you were writing a gospel and you wanted to make your movement look really good and you wanted to prove to people that something was true, as in if you were lying and trying to get away with something, you wouldn't make women the first ones to proclaim the truth. This this would have been looked at by people like, oh, so it's the women that we're counting on for the testimony? And you say, well, who cares? Why does that matter? Because I think it shows that what was written down in the Gospels were true. They weren't trying to say, oh, yes, and then Jesus appeared to the fine, upstanding men that had lots of power and status. And they, I mean, that's might be how you try and spin it. But the Gospels just kind of admit it is, you know, these are the women. And, you know, around us, the people don't look at them as the most credible source, but they actually are so it's just a little bit of credibility that uh, the Gospels are trying to be honest you also see in the Gospels that when Jesus is resurrected he's got a different kind of body he does things that our normal bodies don't he seems not to be limited by uh, time and space the way that we are and yet in his physical body we read things like uh, he has his disciples touch him as in physically He eats with them. He asks for fish and he eats with them. And you go, why? Well, part of this is the gospel writers. Again, you may or may not believe this, but it's the gospel's writers trying to tell us that this wasn't just a hallucination or this wasn't, oh, we're looking at a spirit, like kind of a ghost, but that this was uh, in some form a bodily, physical resurrection. Now, you might say, oh, well, sure, they believe that in the ancient world, but those of us who are, you know, we're from the 21st century and we know some science, we know that this doesn't happen. Well, we need to be careful with that because ancient people were ancient, not stupid. They knew that people didn't die and rise from the dead. This was not like, oh, everybody thinks people can come back from the dead. Ha, 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 ha. And now that we know a little bit more science, we know that they were so naive. No, no, no. These people. I mean, we've always known this. People have always known this. And nobody was actually expecting one man like Jesus to rise from the dead in that faction. But here you have in the Gospels, the Gospel writers seemingly going to a great deal of trouble to say that these people really believed that they were seeing and experiencing touching, eating with the resurrected Jesus in bodily form. Now, historically... There's a little bit more to this. So we have, uh, you know, this movement that Jesus is leading, and then he is crucified violently and publicly. You might say, um, you might ask, okay, well, what do we do from here? Because in history, Jesus is not the only Jewish uh, kind of revolutionist that is killed violently to squash his movement. We, re- we read about other in history that did this as well. What's unique about Christianity is this, that typically what would happen is if you're part of a movement and your leader is publicly crucified, you either run away and try and save yourself. You know, our movement's over. This didn't work. We tried to rise up. We tried to get people to follow us. Our leader is dead. So is our movement. You run away and kind of save yourself. Or you say the movement is still good and you select another leader. we have seen that too keeps moving on. Who's the next guy up? Who's the one that's going to lead us through the next phase? Christianity is unique in that (laughs) their idea is we don't need a new leader. Jesus is our leader. You say, but your leader's dead. How can you go on? He's resurrected. He's raised from the dead. Well, you have to really believe that. That's a, you know, if it's not true, it's a rather silly thing. But again, historically, we see, while it's a remarkable claim that Jesus is resurrected, it's remarkable to see the history of the earliest followers of Jesus, that they continue. So in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul, the Apostle Paul, who uh, wrote about seeing and experiencing the resurrected Jesus, he's talking about his resurrection. And he says that Jesus appeared to more than 500 people and he lists some people and he actually says, these people are still alive. Some of them have died, but some of them are still alive. So he's writing first Corinthians, which isn't that long after Jesus has died. And he says, as he talks about the resurrection of Jesus, oh, and by the way, Jesus appeared to a whole bunch of people. There's lots of us. And many of us are still alive. I e., You could go ask someone. Now, You could say, well, but people could lie, right? I believe in Jesus and he was crucified. Well, we made up this story so that, you know, we could continue on his legacy. And, you know, for whatever reason, uh, we stole his body and, and we made up this whole thing. But what's curious is that the earliest followers of Jesus, they didn't just say that he was resurrected. They were willing to die saying that he was resurrected. And not to recant their their statements or take it back, and they had chances to do that. And we have um, good, solid evidence that there were some apostles who uh, went to their death; they were uh, executed for not giving up on following Jesus and what they claimed about Jesus and his resurrection. And so Paul and Peter and James, we have good historical evidence that said they were crucified. Now, again, they could have been wrong, but they weren't lying. Because you don't die for a statement that you believe is false. At some point you give up. Or if some of your buddies are executed and then they turn to you and say, okay, well, what about you? At some point you go, okay, the jig is up. I can save myself here. I don't have to. I don't have to die for something that's not true, and yet they were willing to do it. And the other apostles, uh, the tradition says that many or most of them were crucified, martyred for their not, not all crucified, martyred for um, for what they believed about Jesus and for following Jesus. But uh, we don't know for sure beyond those three, but we do know we have other works like Polycarp and Tertullian in, in the ancient world, uh, who certainly said they were willing to, they they were willing to give up everything. Now, again, it doesn't mean that they were necessarily right. We can't prove that hundred percent, but they believed that they were right, that they had experienced the risen Jesus and that it wasn't just a few, it was a lot And so if you go historically, you have to start to explain not just a few disciples or apostles, but then hundreds of people, then thousands of people, then this explosion of an entire movement of people who were non-violently, they were oppressed violently and they responded non-violently, but they would give up their lives because of what they believed about Jesus and because they believed that he was actually resurrected, raised from the dead bodily Again, you could say that they were all wrong or they were under some group delusion, but you have to somehow otherwise explain, how did Christianity possibly rise that quickly and that big, other than these people really truly believed in the resurrected Jesus? Some theological reasons. Again, if you go back to 1 Corinthians 15, which is one of the most important ones for the doctrine of um, the resurrection of the dead... Paul talks about it, and he talks very clearly and says that, uh, again, there's, f- there's all these people, hundreds of people, you can go talk to them if you want to. I'm not making this up, um, who experienced, saw the resurrected Jesus. And then, theologically, he launches into why. Now, the resurrection of the dead was a theological concept that some Jews believed in and some didn't. You see in the Gospels, the Sadducees were a group of Jews that did not believe in the resurrection of the dead. They tried to trip up Jesus uh, on some of the, the questions, problematic questions they thought were problematic about the resurrected resurrection of the dead. The Pharisees did believe in the resurrection of the dead, but nobody was expecting one guy to be resurrected. The resurrection of the dead was a doctrine that talked about everybody or all of God's people in the end being raised from the dead. Again some Jews believed it some didn't Jesus being resurrected for Paul was a sign it was like a down payment saying that Jesus is representative of of everybody uh, and that his resurrection is the reason why we can believe in our own resurrection and then he goes on to say but if he hasn't been risen, raised then there's you know no reason to think that we would be raised In fact, if he's not raised, we're still in our sins and our faith is in vain. So this goes, again, not to a proof of the resurrection, but it is evidence that the earliest Christians and the New Testament writers were telling us that this actually happened. And this is... Uh, important for us to believe because it is one of the the cornerstone pieces to build um, our Christian faith on, and what we believe in the future, which is that all of God's people will be physically raised to new creation. I mean, God sets all things right, and so our faith is not in vain, and we're not stuck in our sins because Jesus has conquered death, has been raised from it, and He lives bodily. So those that's just a really brief sketch. Um, obviously, you could go way more into depth, and, and I, I urge you to look into uh, those resources, look up N.T. Wright or Richard Bauckham, uh do some reading, uh, watch some of the, the interviews or talks on um, online. You can find out so much and really dig into it. But uh, all this to say is. Um, the New Testament, I believe, the Gospels, the New Testament writers make it it very clear what we're reading here. And whether you agree with them or not, what they want us, uh, want to encourage us, what they, what they say that they've experienced, which is the actual historical resurrection of Jesus. And there's a lot of, I think, good historical and literary reasons for us to believe in the, the resurrection. But like I said before, ultimately, I can't hundred percent prove that I, I accept it by faith. I accept it partially because of these reasons and other reasons. There's so many more that we don't have time to get into, but I also believe it because I believe that I experience personally and in community, the person of Jesus, the resurrected Jesus. In a different way than those of the early church and those that we read about or talked about just a few minutes ago. But I believe in the story of resurrection. I believe in the story of birth and life and death and resurrection. I believe it's happening all around us. I believe we see it in nature. I believe we see it in our own lives. I believe we see it spiritually. I believe we're going to see it physically. I believe I interact with this Jesus who has ascended to the throne of God. And I believe that one day He will raise us up to. And Tim Keller, when he talks about this, he goes. He he's got a book uh, as well. Um, the reason for God. And he talks. There's a chapter on this as well. It's a good resource. Um, and one of the things that he says in it is he goes through some of the intellectual or historical or literary reasons, uh, evidences why we might believe in the resurrection of Jesus. And then he comes down to, and this isn't an is not an intellectual argument, but at the end of it, he kind of says. You know, and whether or not you think it's true, don't you want it to be true? Don't you want it to be true? It's such a beautiful story. The story of restoration, the story of redemption, the story of life over death. And I got to say, for all the reasons that we might stack up to believe in the resurrection of Jesus, which are good and, and a worthy cause for us to take on, don't you want it to be true? Oh, I so badly want it to be true. And I believe it's true. And I believe it's the hope of the entire world.